Who knew Christmas cards were originally labor-saving devices? What Roman holiday is Christmas partially based on? And how did scientists accidentally create artificial snow in a wind tunnel? Answers to those questions, plus a lot of nutty holiday novelty music, today on The Off-Ramp. It's a holiday show. Today is a holiday special show on The Off-Ramp. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. With trivia, stories, and music to wrap presents by. And if you're sitting there looking at everything you got to do, and you think signing, licking, stamping, and mailing Christmas cards, for example, is a time-consuming chore, you'd be surprised to learn why they were invented in the first place. To save time. The honor belongs to Henry Cole, who introduced them in 1843. Now, he was a distinguished British civil servant. He organized the British postal system, designed the first postage stamp, published three periodicals, he ran the British archives, and led the Royal Society for the Encouragement of the Arts. In his spare time, he published children's books and designed products, all very useful things. But The most meaningful thing that Henry Cole ever did was to figure out a way to efficiently share holiday greetings. Now, back in 1843, people routinely wrote long holiday letters to friends and loved ones. But with everything Henry did, well, he had no time for that. But he didn't want to look like Scrooge. So he came up with a solution, a way to reach out to his large circle of friends. He hired illustrator John Calcott Horsley to paint a cheerful family scene with the words, A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. Then printed the graphic on 1,000 cards, hand-colored them, and mailed them out. And they were a sensation. So Henry Cole began selling his Christmas cards via newspapers, and a whole new industry was born. So that's how a very efficient man invented an efficient way to reach out during the holidays, a labor-saving device called, what is it, Marcia? The Christmas card. Now, who thought of that as a labor-saving device? A thousand cards, Bob. You're not going to get that with postage stamp prices today. No. (laughs) We used to have a lot of fun with our Christmas cards, Marcia and I, and uh, we had our kids, and as we, I think we were elves one year, we were reindeers another year, we had Groucho Marx faces uh, and cigars one year. We did all kinds of things with those. They were fun. Until the kids decided. It was torture. Yes. <laughs> Especially, I think, when they became teenagers, one of them said, we're not going to be your props anymore. So that was the end of <laughs> that. That post, yeah, that was the end of that But Christmas it was, it was fun how it lasted. Okay, what famous Christmas song took its recording artist just 15 minutes in the studio? Hmm. 15 minutes to record the song. Oh, okay. So this guy was Speedy Gonzalez and... No, uh, it wasn't Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> but he sings all my favorite Christmas songs. All right. I'll say uh, Nat King Cole. No. Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. He was just 19 when he recorded that in December of 1957. He said it took 15 minutes in the studio, but the tune sold 3 million copies the first week it was out. 
And uh, it sold well over 20, 30 million records since 1957. Hmm. Let's take a listen to it as we bring you some music to wrap presents by. Bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell time and jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square. In the frosty air, what a bright time! It's the right time to rock the night away. One horse sleigh Giddy up, jingle horse Pick up your feet Jingle up around the clock Mix and a mingle In the jingling feet That's the jingle bell rock Jingle bell, jingle bell Jingle bell rock Jingle bell chime And jingle bell time Dancing and prancing And jingle bell square Helms and Jingle Bell Rock. That's a great rock and novelty song for the holidays. You're listening to The Off-Ramp. We're doing a holiday show today. No interviews, just a lot of fun. Fun facts, fun trivia, and some fun music. Okay, this holiday came at the end of December. There was gift giving, large dinners, and people placed trees, usually evergreens, in their homes. What's this holiday called? My birthday? No. (laughs) It wasn't? Called Christmas. Okay. Do you know what it was? Uh, well, is this a long time ago? This is a long, long, long time ago. Well, I know Christmas is more than two thousand. More than two thousand years. This is an old trivia. Even I wasn't born then, (laughs) but I do recall that uh, we got that date because of the Roman traditions. That's right. There was a Roman holiday called Saturnalia. It uh, came at the end of December. Many of our Christmas customs actually come from it because people kept trees or other plants inside their homes to placate spirits, and they used evergreens because even in the winter they stayed green, symbols of eternal life. Mm -hmm. Small lamps were often put on the branches to keep evil spirits away, hence Christmas tree lights. Okay, Mm -hmm. It was to worship the god Saturn, so that's the answer to your question. It was a week-long celebration. How did they know about Saturn? It was the name of their god, Marsh. (laughs) They okay. didn't know about the planet yet, oh, okay. gotcha. but they called their god Saturn. <laughs> that was a god. Romans exchanged gifts, ate large dinners, and wore costumes, and there you go. <laughs> Christians kind of co-opted that. Let's well, make that part of our, our holiday. holiday. 
Okay, Bob. We owe the existence of one of the world's favorite Christmas carols to an organ repairman. Which Christmas carol? I suppose if that song had not been sung, it would have been a silent night. Oh, yes. That's it. That's it, Bob. It was, indeed, silent night. It was a snowy Christmas Eve in 1818 in Oberndorf, Austria, where Father Joseph Moore wrote three short stanza of a verse, and he asked the organist, Franz Guber, to put it to music. He did, but it had to be played by guitar because the organ had a mouse hole in the organ bellows. Okay. (laughs) And we might never have heard Silent Night after that, but the guy who came to fix the organ heard the song, liked it, and asked for a copy of it. He took it home, taught it to his family, and the song was heard by a royal court musician who played the song for the King of Saxony. Good Lord. The king loved it. And he had the cathedral choir sing it every year. And before long, Silent Night became a Christmas classic. So a mouse ate a hole in the organ bellows. They couldn't use the organ. They wrote a song on guitar. The organ repairman came, fixed the organ, took sheet music with him. And from there, it eventually went up to the king of Saxony? Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. Yes, it is. I guess that... Repairmen had uh, friends in high places. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you chipmunks. Ready to sing your song? I'll say we are. Yeah, let's sing it now. Okay, Simon. Okay. Okay, Theodore. Okay. Okay, Alvin. Alvin. Alvin! Let's get ready. That was very good, Simon. Naturally. Very good, Theodore. Uh, Alvin, you were a little flat. Watch it, uh, Alvin. Alvin. Ross Bagdasarian, also known as David Seville, he chose that name because that's a place he was stationed in the military in World War II. And uh, Alvin, Simon, 
Theodore. These are the names of executives at Liberty Records, which produced the song. So there's a David Zaville and the Chipmunks. Oh, see, I love that. See, I start out every Christmas morning with that. Really? <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> okay, maybe You not. like the Chipmunks, okay, huh? Okay, no, I'll well, put in the you chipmunks. know, I don't. Gets you in the mood. You know, I got that. I remember my dad went out the night before Christmas in 1958. And the story came back later was that he went out to find this record at the last minute. And he went all over town in Worcester, Ohio, and finally found it at a drugstore where they sold, you know, records along with everything else. And Your it was dad did Christmas, the... Christmas time of year. Yeah. Well, he, did he love it or did he think you loved it? No, he got it? it because of me and my sister. You oh, know? that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty neat. So okay. you must be, what, 80, 90 years I'm old? I'm 95 years old right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. And you like that song, though. And then you start every Christmas with that. Very interesting. No, I don't. Really. Oh, okay. I was lying. <laughs> All right. What Christmas plant, and there aren't that many, so I don't think you'll miss this one. What Christmas plant was named after an American diplomat who brought the plant back to the U.S. after he served in a foreign country? That must be the Christmas dandelion. Albert Dandelion <laughs> brought that back. Albert Dandelion. <laughs> okay. no. There aren't that many Christmas plants. Obviously, have... the dandelion is not a Christmas plant. No, that plant. is wrong. We have two plants in the house that are Christmas. We do? Mm-hmm. It's not the Christmas tulip. <laughs> Those red plants what are they called i never can think the names well that's the answer oh the red plant the christmas red plant <laughs> and that was by albert red and that would be called the poinsettia plant oh okay <laughs> and it came to the u.s from mexico via a guy named dr joel roberts p-o-i-n-s-e-t-t huh. of south carolina and he was the uh, american diplomat in mexico he discovered the starry red flower in the early 1800s the Mexican legend associated with the plant involved a poor little boy who went into the church with no present for the holy child. And just before he went inside, he knelt and prayed in tears, wishing he had a present to give for the baby Jesus. Hmm. And when he rose from his knees, he found a green plant with red blooms springing up at his feet. He broke off some of the blossoms and ran into the church to present the flowers as gifts to the holy child. The poinsettia plant. I'll be darned. Mexicans must have had a name for that. But they didn't call it poinsett. I <laughs> <laughs> called it the red flowering plant. <laughs> On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a Japanese transistor radio. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me green polka dot pajamas and a Japanese transistor radio. It's a Nakashuma. On the third day. A calendar book with the name of my insurance man. Green polka dot pajamas. And a Japanese transistor radio. It's the Mark IV model. That's the one that's discontinued. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. A simulated alligator wallet. A calendar book with the name of my insurance man. Green polka dot pajamas. And a Japanese transistor radio. And it comes in a leatherette case with holes in it, so you could listen right through the case. <laughs> On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. A statue of a lady with a clock where her stomach ought to be. <laughs> a singing and I get a watch, a calendar book with the name of my insurance man. Me, walking up pajamas. And a Japanese transistor radio. And it has a wire with a thing on one end that you could stick in your ear and a thing on the other end that you can't stick anywhere because it's bent. <laughs> on the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. A hammered aluminum nutcracker and all that other stuff. And 
pink satin pillow that says San Diego with fringe all around it and all that other stuff. And a Japanese transistor radio on the eighth day of Christmas my true love gave to me. An indoor plastic birdbath. All that other stuff. And a Japanese transistor radio. On the ninth day of Christmas my true love gave to me. A pair of teak wood shower clocks. And a Japanese transistor radio. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a chromium combination manicure scissors and cigarette lighter, and a Japanese transistor radio. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me an automatic vegetable slicer that works when you see it on television, but not when you get it home. <laughs> and a Japanese transistor radio. On the twelfth day of Christmas, although it may seem strange. On the twelfth day of Christmas, I'm going to exchange <laughs> an automatic vegetable slicer that works when you see it on television, but not when you get it home. Chromium combination manager, scissors, and cigarette lighter. Pair of teak wood shower clogs. plastic bird A pink satin pillow that says San Diego with fringe all around it. Hammer aluminum nutcracker. Statue of a lady with a clock where her stomach ought to be. Calendar book with the name of my insurance man. Green polka dot pajamas. And a Japanese transistor. Radio. Merry Christmas, everybody! And there you have the 12 Gifts of Christmas by Alan Sherman. He is a fellow who did all kinds of... Um, Takeoffs back in the early 60s. Hello, Mata. Hello, Fada was uh, one about going to summer camp. So great comedy there. Speaking of great comedy, here's a great Christmas skit done by Stan Freeberg, the great Stan Freeberg, who was a great comic and radio artist, I would call him, and uh, also did advertising. And this one is a takeoff on the old TV show, which a lot of us grew up watching, called Dragnet, which was a procedural, they call them today, where you take a case, a criminal case, and you walk it all the way through. And that's what Dragnet did. They did uh, cases based on Los Angeles police records. And uh, one of the hallmarks of Dragnet was there was always a lot of small talk, just like in real life, small talk that never went anywhere, but made people think like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like when I at work talking to Charlie or when Jane asked me questions. Well, Stan Freeberg takes it to the extreme in this as as two detectives talk about Christmas dinner. Uh, That's coming up. But uh, the big crime is, uh, well, you'll hear it here. Christmas Dragnet from Stan Freeberg. This is the season. My name is Wednesday. My partner is Frank Jones, the chief is Captain Kellogg. December the 24th, Christmas Eve, they brought in a guy named Grudge. When I heard what they booked him on, my blood ran cold. It was a 409-6325-096704. Not believing in Santa Claus. 4.35 p.m. I was working the holiday watch at a homicide with Frank. Hang up your stock on you, Joe? Yeah, just before I come down. You too, Frank? Always do. Hung it up early just in case I have to work late tonight. Wouldn't want to miss out when Santa Claus comes, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure wouldn't. Be a shame. 
What you gonna do tomorrow, Joe? What you gonna do on Christmas? You got any plans? Nothing much. Why don't you come by the house, Joe? We're gonna have Christmas dinner. You know, all the trimmings. Mm-hmm. Turkey, celery stuffing, oysters maybe, chestnuts. Mm-hmm. All the trimmings. Cranberry sauce. Love to have you. Mm-hmm. The missus always fixes a plate of relish with them little carrot sticks. You know, olives, pickles, scallions. Most folks call them green onions, but they're really scallions. Did you ever notice that, Joe? Ever notice what, Frank? How most folks call them green onions, but they're really scallions. Mm-hmm. Scallions. Anytime after two, Joe. Love to have you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll see. Love to have you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll see. The missus always fixes a plate of relish with them carrot sticks. You know them little carrot sticks? Mm-hmm. Olives, pickles, scallions. Mm-hmm. Let's not go through that again. Love to have you. Go through what again, Joe? How most folks call them green onions, but they're really scallions. Oh. You noticed that too, huh, Joe? Homicide Wednesday. Mm-hmm. 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 What's Joe? What's matter, Joe? Bringing a guy in on a 409-6325-09-6704. You, you mean? Yeah. Guy don't believe in scallions. I mean, Santa Claus. 629 p.m. We questioned the guy who didn't believe in Santa Claus, a guy named Grudge. Says here your name's Grudge, is that right? Yeah! You said you didn't believe in Santa Claus? It's hard to believe what you said. Did you really say that? Sure I said it. How do you know there's a Santa Claus? You got a picture of him? No, no mugshot. Any fingerprints? Mm-mm, no leading prints. I just know that's all. It's like saying there isn't an Easter bunny. That's another guy there ain't no of. Mm-hmm. Well, that's your story, mister. Joe, he just said that to make me feel bad, didn't he? There really is an Easter bunny, isn't there, Joe? Listen, Grudge, didn't I pick you up three years ago in a 1492 for not believing in Columbus? Yeah. I don't believe in Cleveland or Cincinnati either. How about Toledo? I, uh, I ain't made up my mind yet about Toledo. Okay, mister, I get the picture now. You don't believe in nothing, do you? Nothing. And you want to know something else? What's that? I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk right out of this room. Because you guys ain't got nothing on me. There ain't no law against not believing in Santa Claus. There is in my book. Let me tell you something, mister. I'm going to prove there's a Santa Claus if it takes me all night. Yeah, pretty funny. The police department's got nothing else to do. Let me straighten you out, buddy. This one's on Frank and me. Right, Frank? Right, Frank? There really is an Easter bunny, isn't there, Joe? You know, hippity-hopping down the bunny trail? I took Grudge over to the helicopter, got in, flew around the city for hours. I showed him department stores. What's hurrying in and out of those department stores, Grudge? Happy people! But I ain't impressed! I showed him stockings. How are those stockings hung, Grudge? By the chimney with care, but I didn't hang none up. I showed him children nestled all snug in their beds. What's dancing in their heads, Grudge? Visions of sugar plums. But you ain't selling me. There ain't no Santa Claus! He still didn't believe. There was only one thing left to do. My job, get to the North Pole. 11.45 p.m., we arrived at the North Pole. I set the plane down. We walked over to Sandy's workshop, rang the bell. Pardon me, sir. Can I ask you a few questions? Why, sure. Just tickle me to death. What do you do for a living? I'm a brownie. What are you doing at the North Pole with a southern accent? Well, the boss sort of ran short on help this year, so he had to recruit a few of us brownies from the South Pole. Mm-hmm. That figures. <laughs> what a waste of time. Could we talk to your boss, please? Oh, he's out. You would come on the one night he's out in the whole year. Mm-hmm. What's your particular job, Mr. Brownie? My boss has eight tiny reindeer. My job? Feed them. Mm-hmm, yes, sir. What do you feed them? Well, most times I fix up a little plate of relish. Olives, pickles, and them carrot sticks. You know them little old carrot sticks? Mm-hmm. And scallions. 
Most folks call them green onions, but they're really scallions. How do you know? Just a stab in the dark. The little man showed us through the workshop. My boss will be back for a second load pretty soon. Say, would you all like to hear an interesting story? Yes, sir. Will you see that huge pile of presents over there? Mm-hmm. Man, look at all that stuff. Would you believe it? They're all for the same man. Been piling up here year after year. Why didn't the guy ever get them? Yeah, why? Because he didn't believe in my boss. You know the rules. Mm-hmm, we know. I uh, don't suppose there's no chance that this, this guy can still... Get the presents? Oh, sure. He gets them all. The minute he believes. But I don't suppose he ever will. Too bad about that guy. What's his name? Don't say it. I don't want to hear it. Come on, Mr. Brownie. What's his name? His name? Grudge. The Brownie saw us to the door. Wish us a Merry Christmas. We were heading back to the plane when it happened. Hey! Yeah, Grudge? You know that guy I said I didn't believe in? Who's that? Santa Claus? Yes, sir. You think I'm too old to change my mind? You're never too old, Mr. Grudge. Well, then I, I... I believe in Santa Claus and Columbus. How about Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Easter Bunny? Yeah, them too. And Toledo? I... I still ain't made up my mind yet about Toledo. Look, Grudge, up in the sky. He's coming back for the second load. It's Santa Claus! It's Santa Claus! There's the only guy I know can make everybody happy in one night. Yeah, he must have the biggest heart in the whole world. That's about the size of it. Some of these interesting tunes we're playing today, well, I should say selections, are from the collection of John Lubner, who is a gentleman who runs Surrounded Sound Studios in Milwaukee. And one thing John used to do, and you used to do this for years, every Christmas you'd give your clients a free CD of collections of unusual Christmas recordings. You know, I was brought up in a household that was uh, music was part and parcel every day. We had a record player, um, and we had a couple of favorite albums, particularly at Christmas. Um, and, and some of the stuff was, you know, classical stuff, and some of it was kind of oddball. Um, you know, one of our favorites in, the, in our household was uh, Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops Orchestra doing sure. um, you know, Christmas music, and Leroy Anderson, who was a composer for them, Oh, and Sleigh um, Ride did, and all of those yeah, great Yeah, he did tunes. Sleigh Ride. Uh, other songs he did were like Bugler's Holiday, Syncopated right. Clock, and, and things like that. I, but I think the standout Christmas album in the Lubner household uh, is the Packers Sing Holiday Halftime. Now we're talking the Green Bay Packers, The Green right? Bay Packers. Uh, this album came out probably about 1967, 68, uh, during the Lombardi era, golden era of the Packers, when Bart Starr was playing and and uh, Jerry Kramer and Ray Nitschke and Elijah Wood and all of these, uh, you know, Max McGee, all of these uh, players who eventually many of them ended up in the in the Hall of Fame. Hall of yeah. Fame. yeah, absolutely. And now this was a series that was done with multiple. NFL teams, right? Yeah, and what they did is they recorded these orchestral tracks and then they herded up all of these uh, professional football players who many of them 
had never sung outside the you know you know the shower the shower yeah. yes yeah <laughs> and and they they did uh deck the halls uh winter wind wonderland um a version of we wish you a merry christmas but i have to say my very favorite song on on the the packers uh, christmas album is all i want for christmas is my two front teeth you and i are absolutely in sync there john yeah <laughs> I actually have the album that I had when I was a little boy. It was it was our family it was our family album, right? Everybody stops and stares at me. These two teeth are gone as you can see. I don't know just who to blame for this catastrophe. But my one wish on Christmas Eve is plain as it can be. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. My two front teeth. See my two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth. But I could wish you Merry Christmas. It seems so long since I could say, Sister Susie sitting on a thistle. Gosh, oh gee, how happy I'd be if I could only whistle. I, I was picturing that being sung by Ray Nitschke, you know, <laughs> when I was hearing it, I didn't know who the player was who was singing it, but I'd seen pictures of Ray without his teeth, you know, he, he was playing hard-nosed football against, you know, Dick Budkus and people like that, and uh, so, and what's kind of interesting is many, many years later, um, I had an opportunity to work with uh, a number of Packer greats from that era, including Ray Nitschke. And I never did talk to him about this recording, but um, it, it was kind of humbling uh, spending time with him. We were working on some radio commercials for um, for the Wisconsin State Lottery. And in fact, the, 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 the tie-in with Ray was he's sitting mm-hmm. at a desk and he's talking and reminiscing about what you think is the ice bowl, but he's actually reminiscing for the commercial sake about uh, uh, something to do with 
the Wisconsin State Lottery's new ice bowl scratch-off tickets, <laughs> you know, so... Um, did, is, are you, did you say that your dad used to put that on when you trimmed the tree? I saw a comment about that. I don't know if it was yours or not. Yes. Um, we put on that. That was one of the albums that we would put on when we're trimming the tree. And then it hmm. would be played on Christmas Day when we're opening presents as well. And that is a tradition that's that's continued in my own family. And now my... my, my uh, Children are all in their thir- in their twenties and soon to be thirties. So, uh, you know, it's becoming ingrained in them whether they like it or not, too. So, <laughs> Dad's going to put that thing on again. <laughs> yeah, well, they know it's Christmas when the Green Bay Packers start singing Christmas carols. So, John Lubner from Surround in Sound Studio of Milwaukee. Thanks again, John, for spending a little time with us. Well, thank you, Bob, and you take care. Dashing through the snow through in a one-horse open sleigh, o'er the fields we go, laughing, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight! Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh! Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. A day or two a day ago, or two I thought I'd take a ride, and a soon ride. Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank, his fortune seemed his lot. He got into a drifted bank, and then we got upside. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Now the ground is white. Go it while you're young. Go take the girls tonight and sing a sleighing song. Just get a bobtail bay to 44 his speed and hitch him to an open sleigh and crack you'll take a lead. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. What's your favorite? Do you like eggnog? Did you ever like eggnog? Not particularly. Fudge? What did you? What were your no, favorite? No fudge. No. What were your favorite Christmas? Tom and Jerry's are right up there. That's right. Marcia's dad he was a bartender and actually an owner of a tavern. Correct. And he made a crazy great Tom, Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry, a coveted recipe, which I hold and uh, will be sold for a million dollars if someone out there wants Just tell to a little about what's in a Tom and Jerry for somebody who doesn't know. Well, two shots of brandy and uh, rum and then uh, eggs and powdered sugar, and nutmeg, and uh, and hot water, right? Hot water, and you got to whip it. You got to whip the egg whites and fold it in. And it tastes wonderful. Well, my dad's process was like you know, like a scientific experiment. No, no, you got to chill the cups and <laughs> chill the bowl, heat the glasses. I know there's a whole sequential way to make. A perfect Tom and Jerry. But let me tell you, folks, it was absolutely wonderful. They still are. Yeah. And if I have the energy to make them, I do. How do you do it? Well, you put the cold batter in the heated cup and you fold it into hot water, which you slowly add before you add the toppings of uh, nutmeg. 
And the alcohol. Lots of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it does taste great. It's sweet. It tastes wonderful. It's warming. It is. Warms the old tummy. Yep, sure does. I, one does me in, not just because of the alcohol, but the, it's sweet. Now, what other tradition did you have in your family? At my family? Yeah. Did you open presents in the uh, Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve. Eve. We went to church Christmas Eve. Well, wait. We did both. When we were older, we did it Christmas Eve. When we were younger, we did it Christmas morning. It's kind of hard to remember. So you went to church the night before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I uh, was in the Christmas play and played one of the wise men, and I stepped on baby Jesus, and that was... <laughs> my older brothers just were howling how in the did audience. You, how did you step well, on baby well, Jesus? Well, they put him in the hay instead of in a manger. It was a baby doll. Okay. And, uh, and well, you know, it's kind of vague now, but as I recall, maybe I tripped over the crib, the baby rolled out, and then I kind of stepped on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. This is the woman who was kicked out of Brownies. All right. You... Not Girl Scouts. Brownies for being a ringleader. Well, that's their loss. Apparently it was. I Yes. All I wanted to do was be a Girl Scout and go to a camp. I never went to a camp. Okay. Back to Christmas. Maybe you could give me that for back to the gift holidays. someday. Yeah, I'll Send give me you a gift camp. certificate. Okay, good. <laughs> back to the holidays. Any other fun things you did? That... We, I sang in the choir for a little while. I had a, not a really good voice. And... Um, uh, you know, we go to my aunt and uncle's house for Christmas Day dinner. Thanksgiving was at our house on a ping pong table decked out in white linens, uh, which we would rent. It was very cool. <laughs> this was actually your dad kind of rented the restaurant linen that well, he would have like for his bar, but he would he would rent the finest just like it would be a uh -huh. fine dining experience. Yeah, and we put the ping pong table in the ca tavern because it was so big, and then we'd set it up all fancy like that was fun that's pretty cool it was how about you uh, some we'd open some presents uh christmas eve and then everything else was christmas morning and uh always together as a family and i don't know i just loved christmas and then my sister and i fought over which of the two santa claus ornaments for the tree that we liked well i know what you won because it's still on the tree downstairs santa on the rocket ship love it Yes, Santa and my sister, even into our 50s, she, we were still <laughs> fighting about that. Fighting over which one, because yeah. the other one was just Santa holding a bag. You yeah, know, bag of anybody can have that, but riding a rocket, how in the cool space, is that? In the space age, absolutely, that was a very important oh, thing. Oh, it's super cool. So it's still on our tree. Yeah, I won. I won. You did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll notice it's front and center on the tree, too. What was the best present you ever got? Well, I can't. Remember. Or maybe one or two things you got that you thought were so cool. The dollies until I wanted a stereo and I got another dolly. and that was, Instead of a stereo. That I'll always remember. <laughs> Looking for that little, you know, that uh, stereo, something that could play. 45s is what you no, wanted. No, no I, I had 33s then, Bob, oh, albums. Wow, wow. And, uh, and uh, I thought, well, that's a big box over there. And it was a, another big doll. <laughs> But I faked it. I didn't want to hurt my mom's feelings. She said, I just wanted you to have one more year. I was 12. That reminds me of uh, <laughs> my sister and I. My sister would want Chatty Cathy, and she'd get a doll that was like Chatty Cathy, but wasn't <laughs> not Chatty Cathy. Yeah. Well, not the brand. She Whatever the brand was. Hanna or something Mom and Dad like seemed to always find, oh, this is 
almost like that other one, but it's cheaper. So they buy that, Aww, you know, yeah, instead that, of the Mattel, you know, racing yeah. cars, I'd get something else. And But, you know, it's kind of funny to look back on that now. But my favorite present I uh-huh. ever got uh-huh. was a tape recorder. Oh, of course. And that it's yeah. still in your life today. Yeah, that was a... That was a life changer for me because oh, sure. I eventually went into radio and then well, did voice your, work, and here we are still. That's in your bones. X you number of years later. I think I was 64 when I got my Your first of a parade of recording devices that fill up this room today. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> that's very nice, Bob. Well, we still have wonderful Christmases every year. We are blessed with our children come home and spend uh Time with us, a lot of time, and it's always wonderful. Absolutely. And then usually every year we do a little interview with the kids and uh, try to ask them questions. A good time capsule questions you can ask every time you do this. Who are your friends now? What's your favorite color? What do you like to do when you're not working? What is your job? Please is that change. what you ask them? Yeah, the I always ask them basic things plus a lot of other stuff. What was the year like? What went on? You know. Mm-hmm. But who's your best friend right now? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see those changing and the people, their their interests changing, what they like to do, how they spend their time. And then the things that always remain the same are mm-hmm. interesting, too. So anyway, so I think Christmas is a good time. As you know, my sister and I used to, uh, my late sister, we, uh, every Christmas, we sat with a book uh, with questions and we talked to ourselves. And it was primarily looking back on our childhood yeah with we the did microphones for, you two love doing that we did that for like 14 years in yeah, a row so and uh so we have at least two hours from each year from yeah. that so thank it's god an amazing capsule of your life growing yep. up lots of fun mm-hmm. we're hoping that people spending their time listening to this are finding this somewhat interesting i don't know <laughs> let's move on let's play a song okay let's do okay good day this uh christmas part of the album and you can play this at your christmas parties uh, or to yourself on Christmas Eve if there's nothing else to do. Good day, eh? Yeah. In case you thought, like, I wasn't on this part. Oh, I guarantee you, you'd be on. Okay, so good day. This is the Christmas part, and we're going to tell you what to get uh, your true love for Christmas. <laughs> Look out the window. Where? <laughs> what are you doing? Snow. What? Oh, head. it's a great white north, and it's snowing because it's Christmas time. Hey, Hoser. What? Uh, here's a quiz. Quiz for Doug. Okay, I have my thinking toque on. Yeah, right. What are the 12 days of Christmas? Just um, figure it out, right? Christmas is when? Uh, the 25th. Right, and what's the 24th? Christmas Eve, right? So that's, that's two. two. And then what's after that? Uh, Boxing uh, wrestling day. day. No, get Boxing out. day, yeah, yeah. That's three. I know. Then what's after that? Nothing. New Year's. Four. And what's New Year's Eve? Five. Okay. Where do you get 12. Uh, there's two Saturdays and Sundays in there. That's four. That's nine. And three other days, which I believe are the mystery days. Oh. Okay, now, this is our Christmas song. In case you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas. There's lots of ideas in here, so listen and don't get stuck. Okay. By the way, that's me on the organ. Oh, jeez. You start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French toasts, two turtlenecks and a beer. That should be more there, eh? Well, 
fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. See, oh, you need yeah. more. A fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay, on the sixth, to go. Christmas, my true love gave to me. Six packs of two for five golden toques. Four pounds of back bacon. Three French toast. Two turtlenecks. And a beer in a tree. Okay. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven packs of smoke. Yeah. Oh, six packs of two for five golden toques. Four pounds of back bacon. Three French toast. Two turtlenecks. And a beer in a tree. This should just be the two days of Christmas. It's too hard for us. Um, go, Holzer. Oh, the eight day of Christmas, true love gave to me. Eight comic books, seven packs of smoke, six packs of two, four, five. And a beer on Yeah, that beer is empty. Okay, day uh, 12. Good day, and welcome to day 12. Yeah. Golden toots, four pounds of bag bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Where did you learn to do that? Uh, albums? Oh. So, like, that's our song. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and good day. Good day. Everybody. Or on the 12th day, you could have gotten so, me a dozen donuts. Go on to the you stores could have gone down and get some to, presents. Like a good donut shop where if you buy a dozen, you get another one free. And that has been 13 for the 13 days of Christmas. Next Christmas, get me a chainsaw. Hey. Boy, that song is a beauty. Move. Yeah, I think it ranks up there with Stairway to Heaven. Okay, Marcia, I've got one here. I'm, it's one of my guilty pleasures. Should I want to play this record? What is wrong with me? It's animals. It must be what? Chipmunks? No. Ah, uh, well, that's the only animals I know singing Christmas songs. I think there's three of these animals on this record, but I don't know the story behind it. Well, we'll see if we can find the story behind this record. Okay, clue me. The Barking Dogs. Oh, golly, I forgot about them. Yeah, yeah, singing Jingle Bells. I'm sure they were trained by Rudd Weatherwax. <laughs> <laughs> Remember he did uh, Lassie years ago in the in the movies and TV? No. Rudd Weatherwax, I think was his name. Let's see what this <laughs> sounds like.
there they are, the singing dogs, I should say. The singing dogs were created in Denmark in the 1950s by, believe it or not, a self-taught bird expert. His name was Carl Weissman, and so he used to go all over Denmark, and uh, he would uh, record birds. But dogs often chased Weissman from private property during his field recordings, leaving the day's results marred by angry barks. So on a lark, he took a razor blade to tape and he edited out the barks, and then he started experimenting with them. He, he spliced them together. He tweaked tape speeds to correct the pitches and put together a number of songs that were featured on a children's TV program in 1949. Now, this is very, very early magnetic tape. And interestingly enough, this recording was considered one of the very first recordings that wasn't reproducible in real life. Prior to this time, all recordings, all songs and everything, were basically people just getting in front of microphones and recording. But with the advent of tape, they were able to create sounds that had never been heard before in a musical performance. And uh, that led all the way up to the Beatles doing Sgt. Pepper, same kind of thing. But it began in 1949, so you can credit the barking dogs (laughs) and Les Paul and people like that with modern recording techniques. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I think one of your favorites has to do with an accident, doesn't it? One of your favorite Christmas songs, novelty songs, has to do with an accident? Oh, the uh, reindeer ran over grandma? Yeah. <laughs> Somehow you find that you're such a kind and warm person. I don't know why you'd like that thing. Well, you know what I like it for? Because my mother liked it, and it absolutely floored me. <laughs> I came home one day, and I said, Ma, did you hear this song? It's so funny. And she said, I did. I did. I love it. And I was just amazed that she didn't think it was appalling. And so that's why I like it. I can't believe she liked it. I can't either, but it was it made her laugh. I didn't know she had that kind of sense of it's humor. It's an oddball sense until of humor. that moment. Grandma got run over by a reindeer walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe. She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we begged her not to go But she forgot her medication And she staggered out the door into the snow When we found her Christmas morning At the scene of the attack She had hoof prints on her forehead And incriminating claws marks on her back Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Now we're all so proud of Grandpa He's been taking this so well See him in there watching football Drinking beer and playing cards with Cousin Mel It's not Christmas without Grandma All the family's dressed in black And we just can't help but wonder Should we open up her gifts or send them back? Send them back! 
Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Now the goose is on the table And the pudding made of fig And the blue and silver candles That would just have matched the hair in Grandma's wig I've warned all my friends and neighbors Better watch out for yourselves They should never give a license To a man who drives a sleigh and plays with elves Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Sing it, Grandpa Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Oh, and there's Elmo and Patty singing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I can't believe Marcia's mom thought that was such a funny thing. But uh, then again, both of our moms had nutty senses of humor. My mom loved Ernie Kovacs, crazy experimental television, and, and Marcia's mom liked that song. Well, we've got one more piece of trivia we'd like to tell you about here. Here's something that we associate with winter. Not necessarily Christmas, but it was an accident. The accidental discovery of artificial snow. (laughs) Ever wonder what happens when you spray water on a cold running jet engine in a wind tunnel? Well, that's what happens. Well, just the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Happened to you. Uh In the 1940s, um, Canadian scientist Dr. Ray Ringer was trying to replicate conditions that caused icing on planes. He and his colleagues tried spraying water into the air of a lower-temperature wind tunnel directly in front of a jet engine's intake. The objective was to create ice, but instead they got snow, lots and lots of it. They got so much snow that Dr. Ringer and his researchers had to stop the experiment to repeatedly shovel snow out the back of the wind tunnel. They could have just went and got some sleds, but no. You'd think at some point someone would say, We're making snow! Think of how much money we can make doing this for ski slopes. But no, they didn't. They were scientists. So they kept shoveling. Yeah, over and over again. (laughs) Dr. Ringer had no interest in creating a snowmaking machine. Neither he or his lab patented the work, but they did publish their results in scientific journals. And surprise, commercial folks picked up on it in 1949. And over the next 60 years, scores of commercial snowmaking systems were built all over the world using Dr. Ring's discovery. He could have been one rich dude. Yeah, he was just trying to replicate the conditions that caused icing on airplanes, and he accidentally invented artificial snow. Now, can you imagine that? It's like, oh, we made snow. Let's go on to the next experiment, you know. Well, that's that's lack of imagination. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it took people who ran ski resorts to go, hey, wait yeah, a minute wait here. A minute. Yeah, just thinking, and it's constantly used now more than ever. You know, it's funny. I think now you think about all the startups and all the entrepreneurs, 
people today who are inventors automatically think, how can I make money with this? That's uh -huh. just the way people have changed their minds about this. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, here's something we could use. Here's an app we could use. So, mm -hmm. so the artificial snowmaking app. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's down the road yet. Let's close out this holiday edition of the Off-Ramp, music and trivia to wrap presents by, with another Stan Freeberg uh, golden moment, his version of I'm Getting Nothing for Christmas. I broke my bat on Johnny's head, somebody snitched on me. I hid a frog in sister's bed, somebody snitched on me. I spilled some ink on mommy's rug, I made Tommy eat a bug. Bought some gum with a penny slug, somebody snitched on me. So, I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mommy and daddy are mad. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Cause I Teacher's chair, somebody snitched on me. I tied a knot in Susie's hair. Some me. I did a dance on mommy's plants, climbed a tree and tore my pants, filled a sugar bowl with ants. Somebody snitched on me. Oh, hurry up. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mommy and daddy are silverware, little boy. In a dining room, like I told you. And a jewelry? Same place as last time. How about my cut? The usual? The usual. Join me on the chorus, okay? Why not? I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mommy and Daddy are mad. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Cause I ain't been nothing but bad. Have a good season? Excellent. Well, that's it. That's our holiday show here on The Off-Ramp. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you, Bob. Happy holidays from both of us. Join us again next time here on The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio and the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin.